What's up, champs? Welcome to another episode of the Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast, brought to you by Keeping Carlson. I'm your host, Jeremy Versillo, and joining me tonight, the one, the only, Elon Dubrovsky. How you doing, Elon? What's up, Jeremy? Yeah, our first ever show together. I'm, I'm very excited. You've been doing great on the Short Shifts shows ever since you, you jumped in with Lewis. So I'm excited to get the feel of what it's like to do a show with Jeremy. I, I've, I've played against you in fantasy a lot. So it's nice now we could be on the same time actually discussing strategy here. Yeah, it's always great to hear from the best of the best strategy-wise. And I'm excited for a new partner on the show and just get to know all of the other Keeping Carlson hosts. Yeah, well, we've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, I just kept throwing stuff onto our show. I know, like, it's supposed to be short shifts and and people make fun that I go long, which is like, there's so, like, just today in all the games, I feel like there was like five different interesting news items. But whatever we don't cover, I'll get to it on Sunday. I, I can make a quick announcement, actually. I'm going to be doing Sunday's show with Michael Amato from Goalie Post, who's also a really great Twitter follow and like knows a ton about fantasy. Brian's taking the the Sunday off. So, a lot, of, a lot of fun new, making new friends here. I didn't think I'd make new friends after having a kid, but look at this. Sounds great. Let's get right into it. So the first order of business is an unfortunate four to six week injury. Shane Gostaspare is out with an upper body injury. Timeline is four to six weeks. He was actually pretty cold before this, and I honestly hadn't realized that despite rostering him in a few places. He only had three points in his last 10 games. Unfortunately, he missed out on the Arizona five-goal explosion tonight, which we'll talk a bit more about later. Uh, His return timeline also puts him coming back right at the trade deadline, which he was one of the big names rumored. So I don't know how that affects his real-life trade stock. He may not get out of the Arizona dungeon this year, unfortunately. What, What do you think on this, Elon? Yeah, I mean, well, as far as the NHL trade deadline, like you'd think like maybe the price goes down, but why would Arizona keep him if even if they could get like a late pick? I don't know, Uh, unless they're trying to sell tickets or something. But like you said, he was cold anyway. It's kind of frustrating, actually. Speaking of this five-goal explosion, I have Jacob Chikrin in the cupful. He didn't even get any points as part of this five-goal explosion. I'm looking at the other defensemen who maybe would, like, benefit from Gosses Bear being out. Like, as we know, like, Chikrin and Gosses Bear were both on the top power play. It looks like Yusuf Valamaki, who recently just signed a contract extension, got the second most power play time, and then J.J. Moser got some. Neither of them did much of anything. So I feel like as far as fantasy goes... It's really hard to see any impact about like a player that now goes up in value or down in value. I feel like everything pretty much stays the same for the defenseman in Arizona. Yeah, totally agreed. I mean, you don't really want many players from Arizona in the first place. Although one of the players who really had a big game tonight was Nick Schmaltz. Three goals and an assist. I think he had four shots tonight after eight in his last game. We've seen this before from Schmaltz, though. Lots of He's a streaky player. Lots of three-goal nights and lots of zero-point nights. That's true, but at the same time, I think he's, like, criminally under-rostered in, in like, Yahoo leagues in general. Like, let me just check right now. Yeah, uh, 14%. He's been top line, like, all season long, playing with Keller. And I know Keller was even cold a little bit at some point. But, like, this game now brings Schmaltz to, like, 28 points in 33 games. Like, he's at a 70-point pace. Like, so fine, he was, like, 65 before this game. But still, like, shame on anyone who had Schmaltz in free agency and didn't have him for today's game. Like, you only have yourself to blame. I've been saying on many shows that Schmaltz should be rostered in, in the majority of leagues. Seriously, like, honestly, any league where Nick Suzuki is rostered, Nick Schmaltz should uh, also be rostered. But the name value on those players is quite different. 
man, you're uh, turning the knife on me. I've got Nick Suzuki in the cupful. I'm trying to figure out if it's time to finally let him go. The Habs, uh, if you don't mind jumping around a little bit, the Habs just played a game against Detroit today. They scored three goals, which is actually pretty good for Montreal. Get these goal scorers, okay? Raphael Harvey Pinard had two goals, and then Michael Pezzetta had a goal. And then, but don't worry, there's assists, right? Uh, so no, Nick Suzuki, no points, but Alex Belzil. He had two assists. It's like, who are these? Like, what? It's supposed to be like only Nick Suzuki. He should be getting all the points. I was like, very frustrating. Do you do you know any of these names that I just said? Like, maybe not for one-year leagues, but like in my dynasty league, actually, during the game, Raphael Harvey Pinard got added by friend of the show, Victor Nuno, uh, because, you know, he's a minors eligible guy and he had two goals today. But like, uh, are we actually going to recommend that anyone look at this uh, Pin- Harvey Bernard Belzil Pezzetta line? No, okay. I'm not interested in them. I just okay. think the real crime in Montreal is the first line is an utter disaster, especially with Cole Caulfield out. Brutal. It hurts seeing what's going on with them. By the way, we should also mention in Arizona, another big game came from the Netminder, right? Uh, Carol V. Melka with a 33-save shutout over St. Louis. He had that cold stretch like around, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. And a lot of people were talking about whether maybe they should drop him. And also it was very frustrating that Ingram was starting to get more starts. But lately, Vemelka is rewarding anyone who held on. His last game before this shutout was a 36 shot against, only one goal against win over the Vegas Golden Knights. So Vemelka, he this is what he does, right? I guess he's going to have some bad games every once in a while, but he's also sometimes going to take in a ton of shots and generally be like pretty sturdy. Yeah, Vemelka is single-handedly keeping Arizona out of the basement, and honestly, Arizona management may not like him very much for that. Yeah, I am one of those people who actually dropped Vemelka, I think, last week, and then he went for 41 fab in my league. I applaud the person who picked him up. I think it's a great ad. It was just a roster crunch for me. I had Martin Jones and Connor Hellebuck also, and yeah. was going through a week where they all played the exact same days, and I'm like, I just can't keep this guy. But I do like him for fantasy. Yeah. And I mean, you were telling me off the air how like your cupful division is like you're like tied with like six people for second place. So I can understand why you need to focus on week by week and you can't be thinking super long term. Okay. Enough with the talk about the Montreal's and the Arizona's of the world. A couple more injuries that got picked up today. I'm just going to throw all three out there. And Elon, you can talk about whichever guys you want of these. Matty Beneers did not finish the third period of the Kraken game yesterday. With an upper body injury, he took a hard hit, played the rest of the second period, and didn't come back out for the third. Rob Thomas left the St. Louis game today, and Val Nachushkin missed both Thursday practice and Thursday's game for Colorado. Yeah, well, first of all, when you say that Maddie Beniers took a hard hit, I feel like hard is like not the adjective I would use. I would use dirty, like stupid hit from Tyler Myers, who was like, he didn't have the puck. He was just standing there. And then Tyler Myers just like, ro- like ran him over for not for nothing, just because Seattle was destroying Vancouver. Like get used to it. You're going to get destroyed by a lot of teams, Vancouver. So you don't need to beat up on all the other star players who have playoff aspirations. So that was really annoying. I don't even have Maddie Beniers in any leagues, but he's like having such a great rookie season. So it's just frustrating to see. Um, as far as like fantasy impact, like he might even play Friday. So I guess there's not too much to talk about there. Uh, and then, yeah, Nichushka, like the thing is all these injuries actually happening before the all-star break. I feel like there's not much we can say like all these teams have like one or two more games left before they go on a long hiatus. And then by the time 
you know, the all-star break happens, like a lot of these players might be back. So I wouldn't read too much into it. In fact, like for Colorado with Nichushkin out, newly acquired Matt Nieto got a spot on a line with Mikko Rantanen and JT Comfer, which would be a really good spot, but I'm not going to re- recommend like running and grabbing Matt Nieto because like Nichushkin could probably be back any game now. Yeah, totally agreed. It sounds like all of these injuries are relatively short timelines, day-to-day instead of week-to-week. And these teams are, they may miss these Saturday games these teams have, but they're also going to get more than a week's break for the All-Star game. So nothing to panic about here. Yeah, and especially Saturday is a busy day. So it's not as if you were, you had room for Matt Nieto on your roster anyways, I'd imagine. No. Nah. You wanted to talk about some senators who have been hot lately. Why don't you talk about those guys? Yeah, well, first of all, I guess I have to take a little bit of issue with your coverage of the Sens on Tuesday because you guys talked about Josh Norris being injured and like and he's out for the season. It really stinks. And then I think you mentioned, uh, yeah, and Ridley Gregg's going to be on the second line, taking his spot. I don't think it's going to last. So, Lewis, who would you take between Broussard and Pinto? And I was like, wait, what, what happened to the Ridley Gregg talk? He's the guy who's actually in the spot and like yeah who knows how long it'll last but Ridley Gregg must have heard your conversation and took notice himself because he had himself a game eight shots and an assist a power play assist he's getting second power play time but you know how Ottawa is it's like maybe not exactly like even power plays but you know he it was a I think Claude Giroux goal so obviously it's like they're gonna give Giroux some time so Ridley Gregg all of a sudden in a great spot he also had a hit couple blocks so it was just a, a fantastic game Ottawa plays again tomorrow on Friday and Saturday. So if you have spot for him on Saturday, but maybe even if not, he's someone who's looking very interesting right now. And also, he's not a nobody, right? This isn't like those guys on the Habs who I'm already forgetting their names. Harvey Pinard, I think it was, and Belzil. Now that I don't have the box score up, I don't know. But like Ridley Gregg was taken by the Sens, 28th overall in this like like team-changing draft. 2020, if you recall, they got Stutzla and Jake Sanderson in both in the top five, and then Ridley Gregg at the end, and he might also be really good himself. So... He's definitely someone I'd be very interested in, like in Dynasty for sure. And I'm sure a lot of people in Dynasty leagues already know about him. But even in one-year leagues, I, I think uh, you need to issue an apology and and officially say that you'll take Ridley Gregg over Derek Broussard. <laughs> At least for the short term, yeah. I think Ridley Gregg took some bulletin board material and ran with it. He looked really good. He kind of was doing what I expected him to, which is he's more of a physical presence. He was involved in front of the net on one of the goals. I forget if it was the one he assisted on or not and only had one hit, but I think he's probably good for more than a hit per game. In addition to, you know, he's not going to shoot eight times a game, but if he's shooting two and a half, three shots per game, the most exciting thing I saw from that game actually though, was the time on ice. He played almost 14 minutes, which is a very sustainable number for a fantasy producer to have. Definitely. I guess the only thing is He'll become a tough hold. Like after he plays Friday, Saturday, like I said, Ottawa gets Montreal next Tuesday and then they don't play again until I think the following Saturday. So that'll be a tough, but Hey, Adam now get like three games in the next five days or whatever it is. And then you could always reassess. So he's interesting though. There's probably another send that 
might be on people's radars now that's still available in a lot of leagues and jake sanderson who i just brought up taken in the same draft he seems to be heating up i did a patron cast with brian yesterday and we talked a little bit about sanderson and brian was saying how he's been hearing a lot of like uh, you know he's in ottawa he's around the ottawa media and apparently a lot of talk about how like sanderson is like really starting to come into his own and he's done this before when he was in college or whatever and like he's really finally looking like the player that they hoped he would be so maybe you don't want to read too much into like you know you know sometimes when you're looking at your free agents you sort of like sort by like average season number and he's like oh he only has like three average couple points per game like maybe you don't want to read too much into what sanderson was doing before because he's on a bit of a hot streak now he had two assists in the last game so he's another guy that you might want to grab soon before it's too late kind of similar to uh another early picked power play two defenseman in buffalo who's starting to heat up it's like if these guys are available for you you might need to grab them soon or else perhaps yeah you just like someone else will take them and they'll hold them for the rest of the season yeah, I definitely think uh, Jake Sanderson and Owen Power are really high upside options for the rest of the season. Both of them are going to need an injury to get onto power play one, but they're both playing over 20 minutes a night, which is incredible for someone of their age. Uh, Jake Sanderson, I have his page up. He's getting 35% of the power play time and 52% of the shorthanded time, which is leading to lots of peripherals. In addition to, he's only on a 31-point pace, but I could see that rising as he gets more and more comfortable in the league. Which one of them would you rather rest the season? Yeah, it's so tough. I mean, Owen Power has the slightly higher pedigree, but I know you said that like it'll take an injury for both of them to get on the top power play. I think that Sanderson has the easier road to... like maybe not top power play, but like more power play time. You know, like Buffalo has a clear top power play. Ottawa's is more even. And who knows, like maybe the Sanderson one will get more time sometimes. Maybe they'll just decide because like Giroux and like, who is it? Let me actually just bring it up really quickly. That So it's like Dabrinkit, uh, Kachuk, Batherson, and Stutzla with Shabbat, and then Giroux, Pinto, Greg, Broussard, and Sanderson. So yeah, that seems like a second part. But I, I could see things like shifting around a lot more than in Buffalo. So I might even lean Sanderson, though it's kind of hard to ignore Owen Power, who hadn't scored a goal all year, and now after his goal today on Thursday, has goals in three straight games. Like, obviously not sustainable, but I, I'm kind of into both of them. It might even be a schedule play at this point because it's so hard to choose between the two. Yeah, schedule play is a good call. I think... I would lean Sanderson in leagues that favor hits and blocks a lot. Uh, Power has 55 blocks to Sanderson's 80, and Jake has more hits also. As for points, pretty much a toss-up. I agree with your points about the Ottawa power plays, though. That second power play is obviously weaker, but it's got Claude Giroux on it, and they're not going to leave him off the ice for most of the power plays. Like He's going to get plenty of time out there. Yeah, also... like. Thomas Shabbat is no Rasmus Dahlin. Like, I think that it will be a lot easier for Shabbat to potentially get bumped than, like, I don't think, there's no chance Dahlin's getting bumped. But I think there's maybe like a 20% chance that Shabbat could get bumped because it's not like he's been even that good on the power play. For sure. One more sense note Cam Talbot left his last game with an injury. They don't know how bad of an injury it is, but they've already confirmed that Anton Forsberg is actually going to play both Friday and Saturday's games because most of their backup options are also hurt. Uh, Mad Sogard, who played some games last year, he is hurt apparently, and I honestly forget the name of whoever they called up, but it was not someone I recognize. I think it's Kevin Mandalese. I don't know why I know that. Uh, but, oh, the Mandalorian. Right. <laughs> that must be it. Hey, okay, I haven't watched The Mandalorian, but I have watched the show that the star of The Mandalorian is is currently on, The Last of Us, and it is so amazing. Like, I think everyone should just, you know whatever on sunday if your fantasy matchup is over 
treat yourself to some of The Last of Us. But okay, that, I guess that's for another podcast. Uh, this has been so much fun. I guess we need to take a quick break and then we'll come back with however much more we can fit in. I feel like we've already probably recorded almost a full short shift show worth of content, but we'll see how much more we can squeeze. Uh, so we'll be back in just a sec. Welcome back to Short Shifts. We've got a couple more defensemen to talk about in addition to the young guns we talked about earlier, some, uh, some veterans, one hot and one cold. Cam Fowler has been hot recently. Why don't you take it away from here, Elon? I mean, yeah, Cam Fowler is such like a, I don't know, is enigma, right? It's like on one hand, I feel like I don't know how to predict what he's going to do. But on the other hand, I feel like it's so easy to predict what he's going to do because we've known him for so long. But yeah, he's been on the top power play for a while on Anaheim. Like he bumped Klingberg pretty earlier in the year and then he still wasn't doing much. Then all of a sudden around like the middle of November, he went on the scorching hot streak, got added in a bunch of leagues. And then... Afterwards, he cooled off completely and then everyone dropped him. And now he's on another like crazy hot streak. Like he just got two assists in the game against Colorado. Is this game over, by the way? Anaheim was beating Colorado. Wow, 5 3 win Anaheim over Colorado. That's a wild uh, result. You could have probably made a lot of money. And on the road for Anaheim, I'll bet you could have made a lot of money if you made a bet on that team. But anyway, uh, so. Fowler had a couple assists in that game and and the game before that Fowler had a two goals and an assist versus the Coyotes and Anaheim plays the Coyotes again in their next game so maybe he could beat up on them some more though if the Coyotes are smart they'll put Vemelka in and not Connor Ingram as we've discussed but uh anyway Fowler's hot again he's getting good deployment so he's definitely someone that you have to somewhat be interested in don't expect that he's going to stay this hot all season long because you'd be a fool to think that but you might as well ride the wave right yeah, totally. Uh, you may want to consider picking him up over this other guy I'm going to mention that we had so much hope for when he took over the power play one slot. Eric Gustafson in Washington has done absolutely nothing lately. It looks like he does have four points in his last 10, but only two in his last eight. His shots are trending down. He actually looks like he was off of power play one today in favor of Dmitry Orlov. And he's also one of those players that is only valuable when he's getting points because of lower peripherals. Would you swap out Gustafson for Fowler? I mean, if he's off the top power play, that kills him, right? Like, I guess it was just one game. So maybe I'd give it one more game at this point. Uh, you know, Ovechkin plays on both power plays. So it's and like, uh, it looks in, like in this game, like maybe it's not that simple. Like uh, if you look at it, that time on ice was actually pretty similar. And it's like Orlov was playing a bit with like the Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Backstrom, and then uh, like Gustafsson was playing with like the Ovechkin, Strom, Shiri, but Kuznetsov was also there sometimes. So I think they were just like messing around. Uh, so, but yeah, obviously like Gustafsson, just the fact that Orlov is starting to eat into some of that power play time makes me concerned. And yeah, I don't have much interest in him outside of the power play. So I guess, though he was actually doing kind of well even before John Carlson got hurt. And maybe it's the kind of thing where you'd really regret it if you dropped him and then maybe he could get hot again. Like it's not as if he was like, you know, has lost anything. I know Washington's really kind of changed things around recently. You know, they got Backstrom and Wilson back, though now Wilson's hurt again. Did Backstrom end up playing today? I know he was like hurt again. <laughs> so I don't even know what, what's going on there. It might be a bit of a mess. And yeah, it might be time to make a stream, but be very quick to grab him back, I guess, if he starts to heat up. Like, it's really, that's a hard one, actually, Jeremy. What, what would you do? You know, I think I'd be swapping Gustafson out for Fowler. I'd actually be taking Dmitry Orlov over both of them, though, because Orlov is just playing so many minutes and gets so many peripherals that he's actually been really good this year, even when Carlson was healthy and Gustafson was power play, too. I still streamed in Dmitry Orlov a bunch. 
So yeah. that would be my pick. I feel like you probably want both of the rookie defensemen we talked about before the break, Power or Sanderson, over any of these guys too, though. Yeah, I think you're right, but it could be close between like all five of them. <laughs> Maybe not Orlov. Well, Orlov and then depends obviously on your league settings. But in terms of points, I could see like Fowler, Gustafsson, and then yeah, Sanderson and Power all like being within a handful of points of each other. But I think the upside is definitely higher for Sanderson and Power at this point. Yeah. Another thing to keep an eye on with Washington is they are dangerously close to falling out of a playoff spot for a team that is kind of empty on the prospect cupboards and built to contend now. Uh, I don't think there's anything actionable here, but I could totally see them leaning heavy on their top six and their top power play units going down the stretch because they need every win they can get. Mm. Well, they also need uh, top power play defensemen if they're going to go into uh, the playoffs uh, for a final run. So I know Jacob Chikrin is uh, everyone's always talking about him. I don't know about Washington's cap situation, but if John Carlson went on LTIR, I feel like that would probably open up the cap space for Chikrin. So I don't know. I feel like I'm working this out. The only thing is, like you said, they have no prospects. So it's like, who are they exactly giving uh, Arizona considering Arizona wants a huge like price tag. So I don't know the other side of the deal. If I remember correctly, Arizona wanted two firsts and a prospect for Chikrin. I mean, does two firsts and Connor McMichael get that done? Probably not, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they make some moves to shore up the defense, uh, especially because the Caps are in a weird situation where I believe John Carlson is the only defenseman they have signed past this year. Is that true? Wow. So uh, we're going to see a whole... They've new- got a couple restricted free agents, but no... Uh, nobody else actually under contract currently. Yeah, Shams is mentioning in the chat. Maybe they go after uh, if they can't get Chikrin. Maybe it could be just Connor McMichael for Agostasper, especially if Agostasper is injured, and then you don't even know if he's like going to be able to play. So the price, like we said, the price tag might be low enough, and that could be huge for Agostasper, right? If he goes to Washington and takes over on the top power play, and he's healthy, obviously. Uh, so maybe if he's been dropped in your league and you could stash him in your IR, we just came up with a whole fan fiction of how Shane Gossesbear is like your fantasy playoffs MVP. Yeah, I'd do it. All right, up next, let's talk about uh, let's talk about some Carolina Hurricanes. Freddie Anderson got hurt in their last game, but according to the GM, quote, he's fine. Well, which I I kind of look askance at because first of all, the GM usually isn't the one giving injury updates; it's usually the coach. And second of all, he's fine is such a non-answer. But I don't know. I, are you worried about Freddie Anderson? Would you be looking at Ranta or Kachikov if he does miss time? Yeah, it's very funny. The way you said that, it reminds me of like an 80s movie or something. The kid like gets wrecked and the dad is like, he's fine. And take another drink of your beer or something. But like, uh, hopefully he's fine. But honestly, it's really hard to recommend Ranta or Kachikov at this point because I don't know who would get more starts. Like that last time Anderson was hurt, there was a long stretch where Kachikov got every game and was insanely good. And then out of nowhere, it seemed like Kachikov, I guess, tweaked something and then like didn't play at all. And Ranta played every single game. So it's like, I don't know how to predict. Like, it's almost like, if you could afford to it. And again, this is like, if, and it, we've been told he's fine. So this is all just maybe not even worth discussing too much, but if theoretically, if Anderson was hurt, I'd almost want to like grab Ranta and Kachikov and then like, just see if one of them goes on a long run of games and drop the other, like with a plan, you know, like within a couple of games, you're going to drop one of them, but maybe we'll get more information. Cause I have no, I can't even, it's like flip a coin for me about who would even get the starts. And I don't even know. And I'm not even saying like, I think it'll be 50, 50. Like, I think there's a decent chance it won't be 50, 50, but I still don't know who's going to get the starts. Yeah, I guess one thing to that I just thought of is they actually haven't called Kachikov up yet, which kind of points to Anderson being fine. Okay. 
The only reason that I'm kind of interested in this, though, is Carolina actually plays four more games before the All-Star break. They play Friday, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday. They're the only team, I think, with that many games left before the break. So even if it is only a weak injury, you could get potentially three starts from one of those goalies. So maybe it is a good time to grab Ranta, because even if Anderson is quote-unquote fine, maybe he's like fine to back up. Maybe this could be a situation like when Kachikov tweaked something, then they decided to just ran uh, Antti Ranta into the ground. But Ranta was fine, actually, which is surprising, because Ranta's the one that's like the most injury-prone from what we've seen in past history. But yeah, maybe they're just going to go Ranta Friday just to play it safe, and then you said he, then maybe they'll give him Sunday, and then he gets one of those back-to-backs. So yeah, you're starting to convince me that he's the ad if you have room for goalies in all those days. Yeah, if you've got roster space and a lead this week, it's worth a shot because at the very least he'll get one of the back-to-back games next week. Mm -hmm. But I think we're probably overthinking this one. Yeah, that's what we do here on Keeping Carlson. One other hurricane that you wanted to mention, Seth Jarvis you have as a cold streak. Actually, I think someone else added that. We've got a whole fun team now of people like coming up with ideas for short shifts. So maybe Lewis threw that up or Shams. But uh, anyways, yeah, Seth Jarvis is cold. He's only one point in his last five games. He's already kind of been dropped in a bunch of my leagues like throughout the season, like dropped and added. He's the kind of guy that like he gets good deployment. So when he's dropped, he's kind of interesting. And now, like you said, Carolina has a lot of games coming up. So if you have Seth Jarvis no point dropping him now because you're giving up a lot of games and i don't know who you're adding i guess that like, you could get ridley Gregg and get three games theoretically if you have room on saturday or one of these defensemen but i would hold but like i think beyond just a good schedule i think we've seen like ever since jarvis was bumped from the top power play he became a lot less interesting like when stefan nason was getting power play time over seth jarvis that was when i was like i don't think this is going to be huge for him like table tero vinen is also on the line with aho and he's been getting dropped in some leagues that I'm in. So I definitely don't see a reason why you need to be clinging to Seth Jarvis. Yeah, Jarvis has been a fantasy headache for me this year. Like, he's one of those players that you look at all of the real life metrics, you look at what he's doing on the ice, he passes the eye test, he's getting good deployment, he's getting lots of minutes, and he's just not getting points and sometimes even putting up cardio sessions. And it's like, you should be good. You <laughs> should be like uh, one of those sleeper players that wins you your league. And maybe he will come playoff time. Maybe that'll be when he shines. But yeah, not really that interested in Seth Jarvis outside of streaming for these four games, but long term. Yeah, if you're saying that he's gonna that he's looking good, then maybe long term like next year. Like maybe he's a good sleeper pick for drafts next year where he probably will be available in like the last round. Uh, but he's only twenty years old, right? He was taken in the same draft as Jake Sanderson, who, you know, is just coming onto the scene now and Ridley Gregg and all these people we were just talking about. So uh, you know, it takes time to become super fantasy relevant and awesome. And like Jarvis is already getting good deployment. And if you're saying he's passing the eye test, then I'd imagine he'll be good at some point. I agree. I think he's obviously a great dynasty hold. Just about anybody who's 20 years old and playing in the NHL is. So if for some reason your dynasty league has him available, uh, you're sleeping. Yeah, it's probably not happening in most serious dynasty leagues. Last but not least, let's uh, rant about a goalie. Uh, Markstrom sucks. True or false? <laughs> it definitely seems that way. Jacob Markstrom had another brutal game today. And it's always even worse when it's against a team that you'd expect to have like kind of an easy win. But Calgary just lost 5-1 to one to Chicago at home. And Jacob Markstrom faced 28 shots and let in four of them for an 857 save percentage. So, you know, like to his credit, or I don't know, not to his credit, but like Calgary only scored one goal against Chicago, which is like so he would have had to have like a really amazing game in order to give them a win. But still you would, 
don't know. The whole team is, is this like disappointing for everyone, right? Maybe the real story here is just to talk about Jackson Stauber, who's now started two games and has won both of them. He had a really good game for Chicago. So should we be recommending people drop Jacob Markstrom for Jackson Stauber? I wouldn't quite go that far because uh, Chicago is still a really bad team, but man, Markstrom's getting frustrating to own having him in multiple leagues. Uh, Dan Vladar's taken multiple starts from him recently. I have to imagine he gets the next one with how bad Markstrom was today. Actually, it's back-to-back, so I guess Vladar's going to get tomorrow anyway. Yeah. But yeah, Markstrom just has not been good this year. The Flames are kind of a wreck. Like Normally, you'd expect a Sutter coach team to be very good defensively, and they haven't been. And they're actually slowly slipping out of the playoffs. Uh, Colorado just passed them today and to take that second wild card spot. I think that this may be the tipping point, like this game. I think when you lose to Chicago, that's where you're like, I think we got to change things up. And yeah, if Dan Vladar is who he's playing tomorrow, like you said, who's Calgary playing tomorrow? Let me look that up. But like if Calgary has a good game tomorrow and Vladar gets the win, I think that's like kind of it for the short term. I think like Vladar takes over as the starter coming out of the all-star break and then it'll be his job to lose. It's just, yeah, it's against Seattle. So, okay, a tough opponent. So all the more so to say like, yeah, if Vladar like now blows up against Seattle, like a lot of teams have recently, then maybe we're back to the drawing board. But I think, yeah, this is a big opportunity for Vladar. And this is again in my head. It's not like I've read this anywhere, but just I got, I have a hunch that if Vladar has a really good game and helps the Flames beat the Kraken, I could see him getting a lot of starts down the road, which would mean it's probably, we're probably getting close to the time. Like, you know, if you're in a league where like, uh, Jack Campbell was getting dropped, you know, when he was like losing starts in Edmonton, I wonder if Markstrom's in like similar territory and like, Jack Campbell, you know, like Markstrom does have the, like he could at some point earn it back, right? Like Campbell lately has been getting a lot more starts. I'm not saying Markstrom's like done for his career, even done for the season, but I feel like you might be in for a few weeks of hurt. If you're holding Markstrom, you might want to just let him go. Yeah. I've got Markstrom in our, uh, keeper league and he was one of my keepers last year and I'm so close to dropping him, even though, you know, I don't really like dropping players who were keepers or should be keepers. <laughs> So, hey, if you're in that league and listening to this, offer me a trade. Maybe I'll take it. Hey, you could join the club. I had Elvis Merz Lickens as a keeper, and (laughs) I dropped him a long time ago. (laughs) That was a bit easier of a decision, I think. Yeah. You know what? My whole team now is like mostly like players I add out of free agency. Like my goalies now are Darcy Kemper, who I drafted. No one kept him, and now he'll probably be my new goalie keeper. And then I somehow got Phoenix Copley just at the right time and he's been good and then i also got john gibson out of free agency at some point who has not been amazing but hey he just pulled off a huge win over colorado like we discussed earlier stopping 41 of 44 so i'm pretty happy with my goalie trio so it eases the pain a little bit from that brutal mers lickens keep for sure well i think that's all we have time for today thanks for joining us be sure to give us a follow at short shifts kk as well as brian and elon at keeping carlson I also recommend you follow at Game Day Lines, at Game Day Goalies, and at Game Day News NHL, all organized nicely at the site www.gamedaytweets.com. Visit that site and the other great sites we use to research our episodes with at Yahoo, Frozen Tools, and Natural Stat Trick. Our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach, and John Reed is our digital media producer. Until we see you next time, play smart and keep your shifts short.